Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and today is episode two for the month of October. My goal is to get as many episodes out as I humanly possibly can, but I, again, am human, and I am also a mother, so I'm going to be doing my best to get as many out as I possibly can. There's going to be more than two, maybe even three a week, so make sure you check back regularly that you're subscribed so you get those notifications that we have new episodes out because they are going to be coming at you all month. So today's story, I want to give you a fair warning because this case involves children and parts of this story will enrage you like it enraged me, but there are some heroes to this story. So I decided to move forward with this episode because of that little sliver of faith in humanity that was restored by said heroes. And this story was recommended by Sandra B. Living on Instagram. You can request cases to us on our Instagram, which is mama.mysterypodcast, or you can also go to mamamystery.com. We have a request form on our website. So if there's ever a case you want to request, you can check us out on there. And with that being said, I'm going to just dive right into today's episode, which is the story of Amanda Ham and the Clinton Lake tragedy. So Amanda Ham grew up in central Illinois in a very small town called Clinton. Her biological father left when she was three, and when she was 11, her mom, Anne, married a man named Mark Walston. Mark adopted Amanda after her biological father signed over his parental rights. And so the feelings of betrayal and abandonment from her own father really stayed with Amanda throughout her childhood and also into her adulthood. She tried to commit suicide at the age of 14 by swallowing over 40 aspirin, and she had to get her stomach pumped. She had trouble in school, finding it hard to make friends because girls often made fun of her for her tall and skinny appearance. She was in special classes because she struggled with learning, so she was often excluded from her classmates. 
and by high school she dropped out after the school threatened to expel her because she was skipping school so often that her grades plummeted. She ended up getting a um, GED so that she could at least get a job out of high school. But Attempts to fill the void left by her father were often futile as she struggled to keep any male partners. Instead, she ended up getting pregnant three times by three different men. Her three children were Christopher, Austin, and Kylie. After her relationship with Kylie's father fell apart, she met a man named Maurice. So Maurice grew up mostly in St. Louis, but his mom was addicted to drugs, so he was often sent to live with family members. At 15, he was sent to live with his father and stepmother, but his father struggled with drugs himself. He dropped out of high school during his junior year, and shortly after, he got the devastating news that his mother was found murdered in a dumpster. She'd apparently been raped and then beaten with a shovel and left in a dumpster. So he moved back to St. Louis to live with his aunt, and he started a relationship with a girl that he eventually had a son with, but tragically, the son passed away from SIDS at only a couple months old. I guess they would do co-sleeping often with the little baby, and he was only two months old when this happened, and so it's it's not clear whether or not he was accidentally smothered because of the co-sleeping or if it really was just a natural case of SIDS. But naturally, this took a toll on his relationship with the baby's mother, and they split up. After this, he chose to go back to his dad's house. And at the age of 27, he met Amanda while she was working at a mail packaging company. So at this time, Amanda was living in government-subsidized housing, and through the housing authority, she only had to pay $142 a month in rent for a three-bedroom apartment. So soon after Amanda and Maurice started dating, she offered to let him move in. But even with such low rent and a live-in boyfriend who was perfectly capable of assisting in paying bills, she was often behind. And on September 2nd of 2003, her whole world would change. Amanda dropped off her three children at around 8 a.m. with their babysitter. And then Amanda went to her job as a waitress at the Grecian Gardens restaurant. She was working as a waitress, and Maurice was actually working at the same restaurant as a dishwasher. The babysitter then took the boys to school and cared for Kylie for the next six hours. Her boyfriend, Maurice, on this day, stayed home playing video games, and why he wasn't asked or expected to take care of the kids is unknown to me, Um, but Honestly, it was probably for the best, knowing what we know now, which we will get into. But after her shift at the restaurant, Amanda picked up Kylie from the babysitter, and then she picked up the boys from school. They ran a few errands together, visiting Amanda's mom at her work, and then heading home to make dinner. But plans changed when Amanda realized she didn't have what she needed to make that dinner, so they decided to go out to eat at a diner called The Shack instead. Dinner was kind of awkward, as there was clearly some tension between Maurice and Amanda, because, you see, Amanda recently found out about another girl Maurice was talking to, but she just hadn't brought it up to him yet. So after dinner, Maurice wanted to just go home, put the kids to bed, and watch some movies, 
But Amanda wasn't ready to end the night, so she offered to go to Clinton Lake for a bit to enjoy the views and maybe play around at the lake before going home. Maurice had never been to the lake, so Amanda gave him directions, and once he got to the parking lot, he found the boat ramp. He crept the vehicle towards the edge of the water and stopped the car right at the water's edge, giving them an up-close and personal view of the lake. And the truth about what happened next may never be revealed, but what we do know is that the car ended up rolling into the lake. Amanda and Maurice got out of the vehicle while the three kids were trapped inside. Calls to 911 were responded to within minutes. Upon arrival, authorities rushed to the submerged vehicle and almost immediately got the kids out while Maurice and Am- held Amanda back. One by one, the kids were pulled from the vehicle and brought to shore where paramedics started life-saving measures. All three kids were rushed to the nearest hospital, only five minutes away, and once they arrived, doctors and nurses tried to raise their body temps up to restart their hearts. They worked tirelessly for almost an hour to revive the boys, but neither of the brothers survived. Little Kylie, only one month shy of her second birthday, was airlifted to a children's hospital, barely clinging to life. In the emergency room, Amanda told one of the doctors, quote, We went to the lake before going home to watch movies. We were getting ready to leave, and he got confused on which way. He put it in the wrong gear and hit the gas, and we sped into the lake. He got mixed up, end quote. The doctor asked, did you try to get them out? And she said, quote, it was all tangled. I couldn't find anything. I'm so sorry, end quote. Maurice's version of events was similar. He told Sheriff Massey that the trip to the lake was for some quality family time, that when they got to the lake, they got out to play for about 45 minutes, and then he parked the car on the boat ramp about 8 to 10 feet away from the water, and that when they decided to leave, the kids were buckled in the back seat. He said he put the car in reverse, and that when he did, he kind of slammed on the gas, causing the wheels to spin out. And as the car rolled into the water, he tried opening the window so that he could get out, but couldn't get out of the window. He said Amanda got out, but he wasn't sure how. And he said Amanda immediately swam to shore to run to a payphone to call for help, and that he soon followed after he tried to get the kids out of the back but couldn't open their door. And trust me, I know you're probably just reeling in your mind. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, they're parked on a boat ramp. How fast could the car really go into the water? And it's probably hard to wrap your head around the fact that two perfectly capable adults got out of the vehicle and then watched the car go underwater with three kids inside without doing anything to get them out. And trust me, I'm right there with you. I have questions, too. None of this makes sense to me. And none of it made sense to investigators either. One EMT told Dr. Gill in the emergency room, quote, we got in there and the water was so shallow, it wasn't hard to get them out, end quote. They were in only four feet of water. When police pulled the car from the water, all four doors were unlocked and easily opened. The front passenger window was completely down The ignition was in the on position, the shift was in reverse, and every seatbelt was unbuckled. 
The ramp itself had recently been repaved with deep grooves carved into the ramp to add more traction to avoid accidents like this, although most accidents occur with a heavy boat attached that would be dragging or pulling the car towards the water, not just a car slipping in by itself. Kylie was transferred to Peoria Hospital, and doctors wouldn't give any insight to her chances because it was too soon and too risky to tell. But despite that, Amanda stayed behind to stay with Maurice, even though her family urged her to go be with her daughter. Eventually, Amanda would leave for Peoria, but Maurice stayed behind with police. Doctors did everything they could to save Kylie, but ultimately the time that she spent underwater was too much for her tiny body to bear, and she was taken off of life support the following day and passed away in her mother's arms. Amanda and Maurice were subjected to interviews with investigators right away. Authorities just found the whole whole ordeal so hard to believe and couldn't wrap their heads around how a mother could not have done more to save her children from only four feet of water. Amanda and Maurice were interviewed separately, and tensions started running high between them and Amanda's family, who back at home seemed far more distraught than Amanda or Maurice did. And at one point, family members back at the house heard them showering together in the bathroom with Amanda's family in the house literally the day after Kylie passed away. This is just such bizarre behavior, and I'm sure red flags are flying left and right, and the family is probably just like, what the fuck is going on? The autopsy results revealed that all three kids succumbed to drowning, But when Sheriff Massey released a statement on the cause of their death, that is all he would offer. He refused to address anything else about the case at the time. So investigators brought Amanda to the boat ramp so that she could show them exactly what happened. Her version of events was that they parked four to six feet away from the water on the boat ramp. And then when it was time to leave, Maurice was agitated because she was trying to tell him the safest way to get the car off the ramp by putting one foot on the brake and one foot on the gas and slowly easing off of one and onto the other to ease back up the ramp, right? But she said he was like, I know, I know, and then yelled, hold on, before slamming on the gas and just losing control. She said she got out of the car and ran to the payphone to call for help, believing that Maurice stayed behind to get the kids out. But obviously, that's not what happened. He ran up right after her to talk to 911 with her, and she said she could see her kids' faces looking at her through the back window, screaming for her, screaming for help. That part just I I can't wrap my head around it. My brain refuses to accept it because as a mother of three kids, I would drown myself before I ever let any of them drown in water. It blows my mind. The next day, Maurice was brought to the ramp with five police officers to go over his version of events. He told them a similar story about the wheels spinning out, but investigators pointed out that the ground was dry and that there were not tire marks on the ramp. They also pointed out that a mechanism on the car would prevent the front tires from spinning out like he originally stated. 
So they're just breaking apart his story piece by piece. And they notice that he's sweating and that he's getting nervous and saying things like, God is going to punish the people who condemn an innocent man, things like that. Fundraisers were held to raise money for the three funerals, and when the day came for the funerals, Maurice was not allowed to attend in an attempt to avoid any conflict with the children's biological fathers. On September 17th, just a couple weeks after the incident, Amanda was brought in for yet another police interview. A case is now building against Amanda and Maurice as police believed that this was not an accident. Amanda had even admitted to a friend that she believed Maurice may have done this on purpose, but police believed they were both culpable. So they bring Amanda in for more questioning, and during this interview, she admitted that her and Maurice had a very volatile relationship, that he was often controlling and unfaithful, but he would get jealous if she talked to anyone else. She said that he could be violent with her, and sometimes he would scare the kids, On some occasions, she recalled him chasing one of the boys around the house with a knife as a joke and jokingly putting six-year-old Christopher's head in an oven, again, as a joke. Her recollection of events that day seemed to change as well. She said that when they pulled up to the lake, Maurice sped towards the water and it scared everyone in the car. And she said that He also held both kids upside down, I'm sorry, both boys upside down over the water, joking that he was going to drop them in the cold water. And then Christopher's hat fell in, but they pulled it out. And then it fell in a second time, but they just left it there because the water was too cold. She also said that when it came time to leave, she offered to drive because she had a bad feeling. And these were all new details that she'd never revealed before. She admitted to police that she felt like Maurice did this on purpose, not just to kill the kids, but to hopefully do away with her as well. But if that were the case, why? They aren't even married. The home they live in is hers, not his. What would he stand to gain by killing all four of them rather than just leaving them? Like, that theory just does not make sense to me. I believe... He wanted Amanda to himself, and he wanted the kids to stop getting in the way of what he wanted. And at one point, there was talk of Amanda and Maurice moving back to St. Louis, but she knew she couldn't take the kids with her. And she even offered to try and take Kylie but leave the boys with her mom, although her mom was like, I can't take the kids. I've already raised kids. I'm too old to take your kids. And so the plan just didn't work out. And I think Amanda was just so desperate to keep a man in her life that she let it all happen because there's just no way you can convince me that any decent mom on this earth would stand idly by while their children are screaming for their mommy in a sinking car. Like I said, I would drown with my kids before I'd ever let a single one of them sink. And I know Every mom listening to this is probably nodding their heads right now and thinking the exact same thing. As time went on and more informants came forward, a friend of Amanda's confirmed that Amanda was trying to get her mom to take the boys so that she, Maurice, and Kylie could move to St. Louis. And then Amanda made comments to police that Maurice would say things like, quote, how much easier would it be with just one kid, end quote. And he always seemed to favor baby Kylie. 
I just want to make it known, though, that she didn't even bother telling the police about these new details until after she found out that Maurice tried making a move on her best friend. So her credibility is really flimsy at best. And to me, it seems like maybe now she's just trying to pin this whole thing on Maurice and rid herself of any culpability. But prosecutors believe that even if Maurice was the mastermind behind this plan, Amanda went along with it willingly in an attempt to keep Maurice in her life because she just could not bear being without a man. So ultimately, Amanda and Maurice were both charged with first-degree murder in the death of Amanda's three children, and they would each have separate trials. Maurice's jury would find him guilty of the first-degree murder charges, and he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. But Amanda's jury had a harder time convicting her of first-degree murder, and they could not seem to come to a common ground. Half of the jury felt like she was guilty, and the other half did not agree. So they eventually came to an agreement that she should at least be convicted of child endangerment, which carried a much shorter sentence. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison with credit for the three years she'd already served in jail awaiting her trial. And with day-for-day credit for good behavior, she'd be out in only like three or four years. But in September of 2008, Amanda was released after serving only 19 months in prison and had to stay in a halfway house. While she was staying in this halfway house, she sent pictures of herself to Maurice while he was in prison. Then at the age of 33, she met a man named Leo Ware. So Leo Leo was 11 years older than Amanda, living in Chicago. He had a record of drug convictions on his record. Less than one year after being released from prison, Amanda became pregnant with Leo's baby, and a little girl was born in June of 2010. A month later, Amanda and Leo got married, and they had another little girl the following year in November of 2011. Then she got pregnant a third time in February of 2014, but this time was different. The doctor treating her recognized her, and he did a little digging. He thought she looked familiar and confirmed his nightmare that this was, in fact, the mom who was charged and convicted in the death of her three children years prior. Because you have to remember, this is a really small town, and when this happened, it shook the entire community. So at one of her prenatal appointments, the doctor walked in with an administrator and asked her to confirm her identity. At this point, she was going by the name Amanda Ware, but she confirmed that, yes, she was Amanda Ham. They informed her that she is on a list of child abusers with the state, and she was required to report the pregnancy to the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services. She had no idea she was on this list, because I guess when she got the mail to let her know, like some letter in the mail to let her know that she was on this list, she was in prison. But because she was on this list, her newborn baby and her two daughters were taken into custody and sent to stay with their father's sister. 
A judge demanded that Amanda and Leo undergo mandatory drug testing and counseling and that Leo attend 26 domestic violence classes because he had been charged with domestic battery the previous year after an altercation with Amanda. On August 31st of 2015, a year and a half after the birth of her son and the removal of her other two children, a custody trial was held to determine whether Amanda should be stripped of her parental rights due to a statute called anticipatory neglect. Not only were the details of the triple murder of her three children brought up in court, but also multiple incidents where Amanda and Leo had violent altercations that required police intervention. And with Amanda sitting on this child abuser list, authorities felt like her kids were at a higher risk and didn't feel the need to wait for something bad to happen for them to intervene. We never hear this happening. I feel like too often it's too little too late. And by the time DFS actually figures out that a child is in a risky situation, it's after serious harm or death has already happened. And it's infuriating. We've seen it so many times before in other cases we've covered. I've seen it in my hometown recently in the past couple of years, and it has been infuriating knowing that calls or tips have been made on kids who are living in dangerous homes. And unfortunately, nothing is done to protect these children, and they end up suffering either serious injuries or they end up dying at the hands of their own parents. And it's infuriating. So as he announced his decision, the judge said, quote, it has been argued that the three Ware children look fine. We don't have to wait for the injuries, end quote. So the kids were assigned to stay with their aunt, who willfully accepted custody and allowed visitations with Amanda and Leo. And that arrangement remains to this day. So according to data from the National Child Abuse and Neglect Data System, in 2019, an estimated 1,840 children died from abuse or neglect, and it's up 10% from 2015, and every year the number continues to rise. Maybe that number would stabilize or go down if more courts stepped in on the grounds of anticipatory neglect. Too often, kids get overlooked or their home life gets a pass, and the standards are so fucking low that it makes me irate. I have friends who work in law enforcement who tell me horror stories about situations they aren't allowed to intervene in. This is just a side, but I'm going to add it here because we're on this topic, and it, it really makes me so sad. And I know that a lot of our listeners are from this area. So from my hometown just recently, a dad had custody of his daughter, sole custody of his six-year-old little girl, and in a fit of hallucination, we don't know what exactly happened, why this happened, but he beat his daughter to death with an aluminum bat and then placed her on their roof. The mom wanted nothing to do with the child. The dad had a record of restraining orders as a result of domestic altercations, and yet this girl was allowed to live with him, and she paid the ultimate price for a system's inability and ineffectiveness to actually protect 
children like they're supposed to do. And I get so upset because courts seem so hell-bent on keeping kids with their parents because of some false belief that kids are always in the best hands when they are with their biological parents. But I just don't always find that to be true. Not everybody is meant and capable to be a parent and to be a good parent. And I could go on a long tangent here and throw myself down a rabbit hole, but I just want to let the numbers speak for themselves. Some people are just not fit to be parents. And it blows my mind that we have to go through testing to drive a car but not to procreate. But I thought it was important to tell this story because a little bit of my faith was restored in humanity, knowing that three kids seem to be protected from an uncertain fate when a judge stepped in and said, on this statute of anticipatory neglect, we are going to send these kids to live with someone else because we don't have to wait for something bad to happen to take kids out of a home. And I know there's a lot of people out there who might disagree with that, but I'm on the air of caution. I would like to side on the air of caution when it comes to protecting children. And I've just seen too many stories. I've told too many stories and I've read too many stories of kids getting lost in the system or losing their lives at the hands of their own parents or step-parents, people who were placed in this kid's life to protect them. But I want to know what you think. I want to know if you think it was necessary for these kids to be taken out. Do you think that Amanda deserved a second chance and that her kids being taken away from her was unfair? Um, I really do want to hear both sides, even though I made it pretty clear where I land. I still like having respectful conversations with people who disagree with me because I, I like to see both sides. I want to stay open-minded. Um, tell me what you truly think if you disagree. I want to know why. Mamamystery.com, we have that request form if you want to let me know there. Or you can find me on Instagram, mama.mysterypodcast. I'll have a post about this episode, and you can leave your thoughts in the comments. Um, just keep it respectful. That's all that I ask. We'll be back soon with another episode to continue this spooky series for the month of May. And hopefully the next episode doesn't put you in a horrible mood like this one probably did. <laughs> but anyway, Mama Mystery out. Bye.